Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 186, End of Line. This week we're discussing season 3, episode 6 of Battlestar Galactica, Torn, and season 3, episode 19 of Angel, The Price. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. Alrighty. Uh, so, Torn. We uh, were torn where to begin. With, mm-hmm. No, I'm just kidding. Um, actually, so like, I feel like both of these episodes, like the thing, <laughs> we're talking about how like, these two episodes don't really connect that well. And I think the thing that connects them is like that they're both like kind of just sort of straightforward for the most part, like, or, mm-hmm. or at least more straightforward than other recent Than some of uh, the more episodes. recent episodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. They're both kind of like after some very heavy stuff on both sides, they're both kind of not that things are happy and rosy, um, but they're kind of a breather. Like, Sure. Like, okay, woof, that was like some tough stuff we went through and take a minute to collect ourselves and kind of see where we are before like the next crisis comes along. Yeah. Um, And as far as BS, well, and I mean, maybe it does apply to to both shows as well, because there there is like some dissension, like in the ranks, right? Like that we're, Mm -hmm. we're talking about. Uh, between Bal- Baltar and the Cylons and uh, the Galactica crew on the one mm-hmm. hand, and then like Angel and the investigations team, mm-hmm. like on the other, like there's there's a lot of sort of questioning of authority and mm-hmm. you know uh, who's who's sort of on the right path and whatever. So um, just kind of take it one at a time, I guess. Um, we can start out. I, I I wanted to start out with Baltar um, and the Cylons. I think. Uh, you know, even though sort of the stories are interwoven, um, like again, like his part is pretty straightforward, I think, mm-hmm. as far as like, oh, hey, the Cylons don't trust him, uh, which we already kind of knew, but like, was the last episode where we had uh, uh, three, you know, saying like, oh, you know, the jury's still out. Like, there's three, mm-hmm. four, and three against, and the sixes are kind of torn mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. as to, you know, what, you know, is going on. So, um, Baltar starts seeing head six again. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't remember, did he do that last time? Or is this, like, the first time we've seen head six in a while? I mean, um, maybe we've seen her in little bits, but I guess, like, it hasn't been... As much as normal, like maybe yeah. he's seen her somewhat, well, but not. He had a feeling of she was backing off a bit, and, and yeah, and this is like, like he's back to his like imaginative world, right? right? Like this is his um head world, like his mind palace, so mm-hmm. to speak. Uh, you know, of back, you know, in his home on. Caprica, the original yeah. Caprica. And, you know, she's like sunbathing in her skimpy clothing, mm-hmm. you know, and like, you know, all of that sort of thing with it. Like, like, even when he's seen her recently, I feel like it's just been like 
yeah she sort of inserted into the situation right uh, as we've seen plenty of right. other times but we haven't seen that sort of like right full-on imaginative you know uh mind palacey type right uh version in a while right um right and it's like yeah i mean we can kind of speculate and i think only speculate i don't know that we get a real answer one way or the other but like what are the reasons for that you know like sure like because i think other than little bits here and there um she wasn't around so much on new caprica it seemed um right and it's kind of like all right well why was that is that because of the situation of new caprica is that because of the presence of caprica six and it's like well caprica six is still here but as we heard she's maybe taking a little bit more distance from baltar again and and yeah. waffling as to her position on him and so is it because of are like do the two have like an inverse relationship of the closer he grows to one the other necessarily has to sort of like back away you know and that's why it works that way we're not quite sure um and yeah like the the return to the kind of like idealized mind palace does feel you know strange after a while away from it and like you know almost feels like is that like like a regression like is that something he'd moved away from that like he didn't Mm. need it anymore but now he does again or is that fulfilling some need of his it's like hard to kind of say but sure uh so yeah uh i do i sort of do take it as as the inverse relationship that you were talking about that like yeah like when he was sort of feeling the uh closeness with caprica six that Mm -hmm. you know maybe he didn't need to have head six around and so Mm -hmm. however whatever head six is like we you know we get that question again like are you Mm -hmm. just sort of like a psychic you know projection kind of thing projection uh Mm -hmm. you know or not like you know somehow maybe if baltard has you know caprica six sort of listening to him and giving him what he needs there then maybe he doesn't need to have head six around and so he's able to suppress her somehow whether it's conscious or not right um but yeah i don't i mean i think you're right like we it's all speculation i don't think we have any real answers so uh that's just sort of my yeah where i would lean like if 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 i'm like forced to pick an explanation that would be sort of the one i would go with yeah well and it's it seems to work that way like it seems like from what the evidence that we have that the the greater presence of one means that the other one sort of recedes a bit so um uh that makes so you, sense. So yeah, so in general we get, you know, more like Baltar's clearly falling out of favor and like even even three's like sort of backing out, right? Like she's like kind of like, well, you're not as useful as I thought you might have been. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um 
so Baltar ever ever the one to you know quickly try to find a way to be useful to people so that he doesn't die or get hurt or or whatever mm-hmm. uh you know basically you know jumps in with his idea of oh well i actually did a lot of work on trying to find earth and i can you know relay that to you guys even mm-hmm. though um i think he's earnest when he says he has some reservations about you know helping them in this respect mm-hmm. but um is doing it anyway because it seems to be the only way that he can, you know, survive. Sure, um, sure. Yeah. You know, uh, so he apparently gives them the information that he recalls from his research. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I mean, I, it's hard to say with Baltar, like, I mean, he clearly has a very good mind. Like, he, he apparently gives them enough to work with you know, mm-hmm. uh, just from his memory to uh, allow them to find uh, this lion's head nebula thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, and um, a couple of things. I love his line about, you know, I spent hours, days, weeks, months. You know? <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right. Like, a very escalating. Yeah, like how you know, whatever just keeps getting more and more not convincing you know trying to be convincing Um, right he like he's he's thinking like if i can you know increase the amount of knowledge and experience that i have with this then i'll be more valuable but it comes off very needy and And desperate over yeah yeah desperate so uh yeah um and um so you mentioned you know them looking for earth and, and like i feel like that's an easy point that's or it's a point that's easy to overlook that like, okay, shifting into a new phase of the story. Cause like it started out with like the humans are looking for earth and the silence are chasing the humans trying to wipe them out. And then we had this phase of settled occupation of, of trying to for better or worse live together. Um, and that didn't so much work out. And now, okay, we're not just going straight back to, chasing you again now well we've decided that earth sounds like a nice place to settle so they're not necessarily looking to you know chase and hunt down and destroy humanity again like they were before um they've progressed onto this new plan of earth sounds like a mighty fine idea and i think we'll have that for ourselves and now it's a kind of like arms race of who can get there faster um Sure. And both working off of like Baltar's notes and everything. So like just kind of a shift into a new dynamic. Um not that they yeah. won't wipe each other out if they happen to find each other, but that's not the kind of primary goal. Right. So and like I always sort of question because like why why isn't wherever they were hiding for 40 years good enough? Like like, why do they need to go to the one place that, like, the Colonials are trying mm-hmm. to get to? Because they, they know, I mean, they must know, right? Because Baltar helps them. Like, they know that Baltar and, and the others were looking for Earth as well. Mm-hmm. So, like, like, if it's really a, 
if they're really trying to just find some place where they can settle happily, mm-hmm. there's plenty of other places they could look for. I kind like, of think of, to me, this has like a similarity to like the kind of uh, holy land type thing of like, sure, this is the holy land for a bunch of different people and they'll fight for right. it. You know, like this has, especially for those, these kind of zealous Cylons and everything, this has a very like we have a we have god's chosen you know mission for this you know paradise that we're sort of feeling maybe we've decided but we feel called to it at this point and and it might even be a nice you know bit of revenge if we can sort of take it away from the humans why sure. by doing that I don't, they don't say that, but that's my sense of like, you know, it can't just be any old planet, you know, New Caprica was any old planet that it had now it's like, all right, this is, this is the place to be. And we're the people who are going to settle there. Yeah. 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 I, it's just, it, it's that thing of like, oh, like now now they're trying to get to Earth, and it's definitely not just like, oh, we need some place to settle. It's specifically because it's Earth, and right, um, yeah. So they go. They send a base star to check out this lion's head nebula that Baltar helps helps them identify. Mm-hmm. Um, and as it turns out, it that base star and all of its occupants ends up getting sick mm-hmm. uh some kind of disease they don't know what some kind of virus or whatever um and they're afraid to go check it out mm-hmm. not only are they afraid to go check it out they're afraid that if one of the cylons dies due to the sickness it will resurrect and infect everyone else mm-hmm. um so, you know, after some back and forth, Baltar, uh, at, with some prompting from Head Six, uh, offers to go check it out because it's unlikely that... Well, okay, so, for, so we should talk about Final Five because his first hesitation mm-hmm. is that he thinks he might be a Cylon, right? Right, right. Um, and I don't... Is that, is that where we get the mention of the Final Five or is it later that we get it. uh it's somewhere in there i don't remember at what point it it dawns on him that he's only seen so many models but he knows that there are more right. and somewhere in there he realizes well just doing the math there must be five more and so right i could be one of them or you know right because we've heard them say that there's 12 models right of cylons but but there's only seven that we've seen and right. identified at this point. Right, right. And so he's wondering if he's one. Right, right. Um, and also gets sort of admonished from Caprica 6 that this just isn't something we talk about. Right. Like, you know, you're being you're being a bit gauche here. Right. You know, Baltar. We, this is, like, if the Cylons have an etiquette, this is the one topic where right. that they don't broach. 
Right, right. Um, that there's something taboo about the, the those final five. Um, so um, he's at first hesitant to to go and check out this sickly base star and its occupants, um, but ends up being sort of convinced, I guess, by Head Six that either you'll die and that's fine because then you won't be in your predicament that you're in or Mm -hmm. you won't die because you're not a Cylon and, Mm -hmm. you know, it can't affect you anyway. Um, I'm not sure, like, how convincing that argument actually is, but, like, in sort of the, you know, show, I guess, it's meant to, we're meant to think that that convinces him. Mm -hmm. Um, So he goes... Uh, or like how how it occurs to him that he could be a Cylon, but how convinced is he of that really? Um, sure. And and uh, like it's hard. Like how likely does he think the scenario? If he thought he really could die, would he really volunteer and it, do this? Sure. No, I think given his egoism, probably not. But mm-hmm. uh, at the same time, there's a certain level of egoism you know, to the idea that he could be a Cylon given that he's, you know, smarter than everyone else. And so it only makes a certain amount of sense that, well, of course then I'm a Cylon because I'm special in that way. Right. Right. Um, Right. Especially if they have this kind of, Ooh, the final five, like there's something kind of like, you know, special about them anyway, you know? So, um, and not to get too much into the mythology of the final five yet, because we like we literally just have a mention of it. But yeah. you kind of get some hints from like Baltar, like, oh, they could be walking around and like you wouldn't even know it, which mm-hmm. is. That was like the original scare with the silence, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, right. they're walking among us and we don't even know it because they look like humans and all of this stuff. But then it's like, oh, well, you know, we identified this one. And so mm-hmm. now we know that anyone who looks like this one is also mm-hmm. a Cylon. So you see like the multiple Dorals and, yeah. you know, the multiple sixes and whatever. Um, right. And Sharon's and, and whatnot. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, there's five more and we don't know who they are. And now, mm-hmm. I mean, I won't say anything specific, but, you know, we've seen the show before. We, we kind of know who... Yeah. and what and how many there are of each kind mm-hmm. and whatnot. So like we have some idea there, but at the same time there's uh you know like we don't know what they're th- like like is it like oh sh- should we would should we be looking for like twins or people who maybe had a twin and don't have mm-hmm. one anymore or like you know that kind of thing. Um but it's interesting that the Cylons seem not to know who they are mm-hmm. either, at least based solely on the reaction that Caprica six gives him mm-hmm. because like he says that and she doesn't deny, like she doesn't necessarily affirm it, but she doesn't deny it either that like mm-hmm. they wouldn't be able to recognize. Whereas I mean, okay, I guess like you had Boomer who didn't know mm-hmm. on the one hand like she was sort of pro but that was like a special like it wasn't like all the sharons didn't know right. who the others were it was just like this one particular instance of sharon right you know they modified and 
a certain way. And so, you know, that that meant that she wasn't aware of, you know, these other Cylons stuff. But as a model, they all knew, you know, who the other, at least of the seven, you know, who was a Cylon and, and whatnot. Um, right. And this has a different quality of she knows about the final five. She knows the concept, but but she either is not willing or is programmed not to say, you know, um, and and potentially because she doesn't know who they right. actually are, um, you know, and she won't necessarily come out and admit that to Baltar, but you know, so the kind of he sort just, of susses it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um as so long yeah. as we're as long as we're talking about Baltar's potential Cylon status too, we might as well mention the projection. Um because sure. that's the sort of biggest piece of evidence, I think, in favor of, of his theory there is because of his overactive imagination. Um so it's interesting that when we learn about projection, we get a return to the the mind palace of not just I have an imaginary friend who I talk to, but I see myself in a whole other place and it's as real as whatever else is around me, um, which kind of is exactly, you know, Cylon projection as explained by Caprica Six that, you know, she can take herself out of her, you know, her mundane experience of blank walls and you know whatever and transport herself um into mm. you know her her visions of of god's creation and everything sure um yeah so yeah yep uh yeah and i so... think i think in general that's something we even though there's not a ton of plot to this episode, like a lot of what we get, a lot of what we do get, I think is like kind of like more of the experience of how it is to be a Cylon. So like the fact that they're all plugged into this network and can kind of interface through mm. the systems and the machinery and they can imagine things a certain way and the kind of the way that they deliberate and vote on things and all that stuff, you kind of get more of their, their, you know, having Baltar stuck in among them shows you a bit more like what it's like to be one of sure. them, I guess. The the old epistemic regime again. Yes. Uh, yeah. And like just some kind of world building of like, all right, sure. we know what Cylons are like, but what is it like to be them living in their world? And the fact that, you know, three says that they're all an ecosystem and everything that they kind of, they have a more, interdependent nature than with the humans so um yeah no definitely sort of diving deeper into kind of like because we've seen like until now it just seems like oh you know they're sort of mimicking humans but it as it turns out that's just sort of a superficial mm -hmm. thing like there's there's a different level of connection that they have that humans don't have. And uh, you kind of get 
yeah, there's like the interfacing and the boating and stuff, but then there's also like the hybrid, which is mm-hmm. like they don't explain necessarily what they mean when they say hybrid, but you just kind of know it's like, oh, it's not quite not quite a ship or you know a centurion you know machine like like machine machine mm-hmm. um but it's also not quite you know the humanoid cylons either mm-hmm. like uh there's there's a you know like i guess you know it has sort of a body a humanoid body but then like it's attached to like all these wires that are directly into the ship and and is it caprica six who says like you know in a very real sense she is the ship like you know she has a brain and and consciousness in a certain way but like also has all the sort of mechanical and and well biomechanical you know aspects of the ship that you know kind of like we saw with uh not scar well i mean I guess Scar had it too, but like with the ship that um, Starbuck, you know, steals and, and how it's like, okay, well there's these like, it's kind of like biological, but at the same time you have like all the tubes and the mechanical Mm -hmm. aspects that you can manipulate to fly it. Those types Mm -hmm. of things. Um, And the result is like kind of a, like, I'm not sure if it's like, semi-conscious or like uber conscious uh, sure right but like right the, and that's that's the real question is right like yeah. you know you get like even the differences in opinion between the Cylons there of like Leoben thinks that like every word that you know uh the hybrid utters is you know straight from god and and you have like you almost have to wonder like what is Leoben's projection like, mm-hmm. what does he walk or what does he see while he's walking around, you know? Um, sure. Because right. he's kind of a weird one. Yeah. Uh, and. Yeah. So you have like the hybrid, you know, saying these things and and, you know, so Leo Ben's at sort of the one end who, you know, thinks that every word is word of God. But also Caprica says that most of the Cylons don't think that any of the words mean anything. That it's just mm-hmm. kind of like leftover or like null null programming like it's just sort Mm -hmm. of nonsense you know that is output from the program but doesn't have any meaning in and of itself Mm -hmm. um and that you know uh the hybrid sort of experiences the world you know again thinking of projection like what's the projection the hybrid you know has like is there right you know it's a ship you know, swimming or whatever, moving through space and jumping from point to point. But like, how is it envision? How does it envision those activities? Yeah. Kind of a bizarre thought, but, um, right. But there is also a sense too, where it's, it's not just like the hybrid doing things on its own. Like it's not a completely independent consciousness because it listens to the other silo and Mm -hmm. does what they want like it jumps Mm -hmm. when it when they tell it to jump and and Mm -hmm. where to jump to so right it's not like completely independent thinker either like right or at least if it's capable of doing that it's 
for some reason listening to the other Cylons as right. they, you know, command it to. Right. Well, there's something kind of dubious about the the line of threes of like she doesn't get a vote. Like, you sure. know, that like sounds a little bit like she's their slave, you know, like she she yeah. she is the base ship. She keeps them flying and alive and she's necessary. Um and she can has enough it seemingly has enough independent will to object to their decision, but you know, three says she doesn't get a vote. She's not a full, you know, voting member of their community. Um, right. her opinion doesn't count for anything except to maybe Leoben. Um so yeah, and and I like the way that they have the kind of just random stream of consciousness spewing because you think of like, you know, nonsense stories and everything, and it's always like whether it's you know Lewis Carroll or whatever these things that are seemingly nonsensical. There's always a kind of poetic irony or meaning and double entendre and subverted logic kind of lying underneath that you know and so it's fun to kind of parse out these sentences that seem to have no meaning and try to kind of find the kind of hidden meaning that's buried in the layers and everything um yeah sure and i mean it's just uh sort of like you can just pick out enough to uh you know have it make sense if you want like if you want to stretch it in certain right. ways like you can you know make it do so but there's also like it's gibberish enough that you can just say well you know it may not mean anything either right or it's gibberish enough that we could each of us do our own annotations and come up with different theories as to what it is that it means like where sure. there might be a sense of we all agree that maybe it means something but what it is that it means maybe not all the silence agree i mean like you and me and viewers at home like <laughs> sure like I, I i believe that there is some meaning that was put in there you know underlying what she's saying but could i prove what it is no like it's it's random and sort of garbled enough that um you can't ever quite figure out exactly what she's trying to say um yeah um so yeah so uh all that to say that Baltar ultimately goes to check out the base star Mm -hmm. uh that you know had jumped to uh where the lion's head nebula was um or you know at least within view of it uh he doesn't get sick so that confirms that he's not a cylon mm -hmm. um which i mean he had already tested himself right like so he should already have known that sure um I guess assuming that we trust that his test actually worked and that 
Right. He and, was trustworthy. And assuming that there's not something different about the final five that makes their sort of, you know, physiology different to the regular silence. So, so sure. there are, there are places of doubt, but it seems to be that he's, he's probably not one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so he finds the, this kind of beacon that seems to be, you know, the, the source of the disease and everything. Um, yep. Yeah. And so, uh, and he sees a six model on the base star who, you know, accuses him of tricking them and killing mm -hmm. them and, uh, you know, because he's the one who sent them to these coordinates and that's what made them sick. Mm -hmm. Um, but he obviously knows nothing about it. So yeah, the big question then is who left this beacon? Mm -hmm. uh, presumably, um, you know, it was the colonists on their way to earth, but mm -hmm. like they wouldn't have known about the Cylons, right? Like, isn't this supposed to have happened like many, many aeons ago? Like, right. Right. You know, before the Cylons, presumably, and and certainly before the current war uh, with them. So, yeah, it like the question becomes like, okay, why does this particular signal or or beacon or whatever, you know, affect the Cylons in this way? If it's if it is indeed from a time from long mm -hmm. before the Cylons themselves even existed. Mm -hmm. um, and of yeah. course we know it wasn't Baltar but that doesn't that doesn't really convince uh, you know the Cylons they they seem perfectly fine blaming him no and um, so his uh, killing of the six when she like you know is accusing him of this am I right in saying He's certainly been responsible for deaths in in various, you know, indirect ways. But um, is this like the first time I, we've seen him like kill like somebody, kill like like physically use violence, you know, like in that way? Like, I think it might be, um, you know, and the fact that it's like one of his beloved sixes, you know, is is a little disturbing um and and a true death like right because the right. resurrection, There's ship, no resurrection is, ship yeah is you know too far away yeah 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 i think you're right i don't i'm trying to think and i can't think of any other examples of people he has directly killed mm -hmm. so yeah yes everything for his self-preservation um, um when it comes down wait, who, to it who kills crashdown oh he did he killed crashdown yeah, yeah yeah i forgot about that yeah you're right you're right it's a good point um so yeah you're completely wrong i'm completely and wrong totally I win the podcast. Uh, no, I. <laughs> I uh, 
so yeah i mean i don't know that there's much more to say like he comes back and like the other cylons sort of have the same view towards him right so like right you know again they, there might still be some hesitation but like all in all like they're very distrustful and mm-hmm. yeah think that he must have led them into a trap mm-hmm. um although it's not a very good one if it's true because like he didn't get them all like he only got one ship and as we know there are plenty more right right where they came from so um but it does thin their ranks because it's you know cylons that they can't resurrect and and mm-hmm. so you know presumably that depletes the whatever the cylon equivalent of the gene pool is mm-hmm. um yeah yeah so uh switching over to the galactica though um we get some more tearing i guess um the big so like it starts out you know their their portion of the story starts out with this training exercise that basically starbuck (laughs) i don't know why people continue to think starbucks will listen to orders because it's not like she ever does right and i don't know like sure at some point you just got to stop like fooling yourself but um she screws things up damages one of the you know fighters uh get yelled at by lee yada 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 um long story short she is so starbuck and ty end up in you know the the mess room there uh kind of spouting spouting their bile and mm-hmm. uh you know sort of talking smack about uh people and you know it's one of those situations where like they're not wrong necessarily you know mm-hmm. but they're wrong as to like the intensity or the uh you know mitigating circumstances around the things they're mm-hmm. talking about so they're talking like you know it's not like good enough that like the Galactica and other ships came back to help save them. And even that, you know, a number of people died in Mm -hmm. their coming back to help save them. Like, you know, Ty is still pissed about his eye on the ground and not content to blame like the people who actually took his eye, you know, he's back to blaming sort of the secondary people. Well, not even secondary, but tertiary people of like, like at least with, Gata, it's like okay well yes Gata was like a collaborator so to speak insofar mm-hmm. as like he was working for the new caprica government and right right you know all right and, and and ty had reason to suspect that he was involved in and responsible and in, in, in everything um yeah or i mean even if he wasn't responsible at least was like part of the problem because he wasn't standing up to right you know the silence Right. Um, but now you have like, like basically him accusing like Cat and you know Lee and and Adama, you know mm-hmm. of and Hilo or whatever of like 
abandoning them on the planet when it's like, well, yeah, but they came back and saved you mm-hmm. guys, like, and rescued you from the planet. So, right. you know, if they had stayed and fought and lost, they would not have been able to do that. So, you know, not only would you then still not have an eye, but you probably would be dead by now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's just that thing of, like, he's not necessarily wrong. Like, yeah, they did kind of run away. And, okay, maybe in some respects they had it better because they had, you know, quote, three square meals and, you know, weren't being held in detention centers and, and that sort of thing. But at the same time, like you know Ty would not have done anything different right. had he been in their position. So it's, right. Right. yeah, you're kind of right, but at the same time, you're being a hypocrite about it. And mm-hmm. uh, also, you know, like, hey, maybe let's listen to what Roslyn said about, like, forgiving people and, you know, having mm-hmm. a clean slate and all of that. Um. And Starbucks right there, too. Um, with Starbucks, you also get the, uh, you know, situation with Casey where, um, I forget the name of Casey's mom, you know, brings her over uh, for a visit or whatever because Casey's apparently been talking about Kara and, you know, wants to say hi and, you know, is, like, at her knees, like, holding her arms up trying to, like, get Starbucks to pick her up. But, you know... Starbuck is very mean about it and you know basically says I don't need a I don't need a two-year-old friend mm-hmm. uh and uh like every grown-up person says in their grown-up voice <laughs> so um, um yeah. you know like her sort of uh I mean her general discontent but also that like you get still that idea of her feeling the loss of like believing that she had a child of her own and then having that sort of forcefully taken away from her. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think you just get the two of them. Like they were sort of thwarted. If the, if the two of them were towards like, if, if flawed as they were, if Tyrrell and Sam were really more looking for justice in the whole like circle, we're going to, you know, judge and, you know, whatever, the collaborators. You feel like Starbuck and Ty were more, whether or not they admitted it to themselves, looking for satisfaction, like personal, you know, for what they'd suffered and everything. That, that the more that sense sure. of of people have to pay for what happened. And it's like, well, once the circle is sort of, you know, discovered by... Adama and sort of, you know, they realize that they they kind of realize it's a fairly flawed system to begin with and they don't keep pursuing that. It's like, well, that, that bile has to go somewhere. And so it goes towards the rest of the crew. You know, they can't, they can't take it out on the collaborators. So, you know, the next closest thing is all of these people who, you know, weren't on the ground that like, this is now the biggest sin is that you decided to, you know, because you randomly decided to stay on the Galactica, that means that you weren't, you know, loyal enough or something, which is kind of the opposite. You would think that like, 
the loyal people would be the ones who like stayed on Galactica no matter what. And it's the people on the ground who left and started a new life and all this stuff. But from Ty's point of view, it's the other way around. Um, sure. Like the real, the real people were on New Caprica and they were not only that, but they were the ones who were, you know, detained and suffering under the hands of the Cylons and everything. Um, so, yeah. And you just get the sense of like how, um, you know, there's something kind of truthful about this. I think like these two who imagine that they have like the, the market perspective on, on truth, how it really is. Like we understand how, you know, what kinds of friends these people really are and everything. They're the two most sort of, you know, myopic in the way that, you know, they're looking at things that like you, you get that this is all because of, you know, uh, like with the scenes with Casey or where the scenes where Ty thinks he sees Ellen, it's all about their specific experiences and their specific traumas and yet they're the two that are kind of gonna tell everyone how it really is you know um right and and kind of believe that their experience you know is the most sort of important and universal and everything yeah um which all gets back to Adama. Like he, you know, you, you get the sense that like he's hearing all of these different pieces of, you know, gossip or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever on the ship, um, such as, you know, now Sharon Agathon has a new call mm -hmm. sign, right? Athena. Yeah. Um, which I've been waiting until we could get Finally. to this point. So yeah. we can like, <laughs> stop calling her Sharon and call having her to, Athena, yeah you know, explain which one we're talking about. Right. Um, but like, you know, he hears, he hears about, you know, Ty and uh, Starbucks sowing their descent. Um, mm -hmm. And so he goes down and mm -hmm. clears the room of everyone except the two of them um, and basically gives them an ultimatum of either shut up or shoot me <laughs> because you know, basically what you're doing is, right. you know, putting everyone at risk, uh, you know, by, by sort of sowing your dissent and, you know, turning the crew against each other. Um, which is, you know, precisely what they were trying to avoid, right? With, uh, I mean, the whole idea of like, going back and rescuing the people mm -hmm. on New Caprica was so that they would all be together again and could fight against the Cylons together and, you know, all of that. But, uh, right. Yeah. But, but physical togetherness isn't necessarily real togetherness. Um, right. Yeah. And like the people, again, I mean, these two are at the farthest end, at the end of the extreme, but, but, there is still a divide between the people who were in the air and the people who are on the ground, you know? Um, so, yeah. And, and I feel like, 
especially with Ty and Starbuck, Adama has, you know, treated them with such leniency over the seasons for their various, you know, oversteps and mistakes and flaws and everything that it, it's, there's something a little bit satisfying about <laughs> having him just like kind of rip them a new one and like, you know, like it, it ultimately to help them to snap yeah. them out of their, you know, this fog that they're in, but, um, but not mincing words at all, totally just resorting to the name calling and calling it like he sees it with how they're acting and everything. Um, yeah. So yeah, like even like pushing, you know, Kara out of the chair and everything, like, you know, it gets very, you know, it gets very charged there for a minute. Um. Sure. Um, and yeah, and Ty doesn't really give up his attitude, right. which like, so last, last episode you had, him you know spouting off when Gata first shows up and Adama told, tells him to go like sleep it off right mm -hmm. and he sort of gives some back talk but you know you can just you know you kind of just take it in stride but like here you know again he's he's basically telling Adama that he doesn't respect him anymore I mean ultimately like mm -hmm. You know, Adama says, you know, you take the time you need. And I know there was something to do with Ellen, but, uh, you know, you you don't show your face again until you're, you know, ready to be the man who you used to be. And Ty is like, well, that man doesn't exist anymore. So, like, with, with the death of that man seems to also be the death of his respect for Adama. Hmm. Um, because that was always the thing, right? It was like he would be as much of a jerk and hard ass to anyone except Adama. Mm -hmm. Like he would, he would fall in line if Adama said something, but up to that point, he didn't give two craps about who you were or what you were doing. He would always, do it. but now like even Adama can't keep him in line. Yeah. Um, and any, and it's hard to say what's going on there. Is it just kind of his general malaise and discontent and the stuff with Ellen? Or does he actually, did he actually lose respect for Adama because Adama ran away? Mm. Like, is that, I mean, and maybe it's both. Like, it doesn't have to mm -hmm. be just one or the other. Mm -hmm. um, or could potentially be something else as well. I, d I don't really know. Like, I don't. I don't know that we have enough information to make that determination just based on what he's, you know, saying and does. It's, yeah, he, you know, seems like he's leaving and not coming back, mm -hmm. at least, you know, to his post as the XO of mm -hmm. the Galactica, so. Yeah. 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 
Um, yeah, whereas Starbuck does seem like it works with her. She seems to sink in. Pulls yeah. herself together, you know, and, and goes and gets, you know, goes for her visit with Casey. Um, right. And, like, even more significant is the, like, you know, cutting off the hair, back in uniform, like, that physical return sure. to, all right, if you physically feel like the soldier you used to be, maybe you can right. you can act like it, too. Um, yeah, sort of a make it, or fake it till you make it kind right, of. Right, right approach right um yeah right whereas it is a little surprising like for all his faults maybe ty's loyalty to adama was always his one kind of big redeeming quality whereas like with starbuck it you know you do think of her as you know stubborn to a fault so it, it it's it's you know, they kind of flip their roles a little bit there where she's the one to actually listen and fall in line and, and ties the one to kind of stay defiant and, you know. Um. Yeah. So um, this is the last couple minutes here for mm -hmm. the show. Uh, also should mention that um, we have Lieutenant Gida. Mm -hmm. Now, now restored to his post, right? Mm -hmm. uh, since last episode, um, doing what he does best, and you know, sort of follow following in the shadow of Baltar. Um, it's true. It's know. true. Well, and they keep they keep staying parallel to each other, you know, because in sure. the last episode they were both kind of put on trial, you know, uh, as to whether or not they were loyal and should stay in the group. And now, you know, here they are following the same, literally the same, you know, notes and everything and, to kind of, path. yeah. 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 Um, um, right. So, right. Exactly. Like he, he figures out or at least finds the notes that Baltar had left behind and, and sort of figures out what's going on there. Um, mm -hmm. and they send out a ship to the same place. Um, mm -hmm. So, which, okay, so now we're we're in this spot with uh, this infected base star, and one of the pilots, of course, that goes out there is Athena, who right. is a Cylon. And right. so the question then becomes, what's going to happen there? Right, uh, right, right. We're, we, and, we are, this is the audience, are a little bit ahead of what, you know... Uh, the characters know like, about the base ship and everything. Sure. And right. And right. So you get, um, is it racetrack? Who's mm -hmm. the co-pilot, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, sort of freaking out when she sees the base star, but, but Athena kind of goes into gibberish mode, <laughs> not, not sure. like the hybrid, <laughs> like, or right. at least seeming gibberish. Like, it's kind of scriptural, but mm -hmm. you're not quite sure. Like maybe it's just kind of weird prophetic mm -hmm. nonsense. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, they find, they find what they're looking for. So definitely seem to be on the right path. And, and yeah, like, you know, we're kind of left with that. Like we'll, we'll pick up yeah, uh, where we left off next time. But um yeah, again, like there's this there's this 
virus now that -hmm. could be a potential weapon against the Cylons and Mm -hmm. they have but to discover it yet. Mm -hmm. Yep. So yeah. All right. All right. Moving on. Moving on to Angel the Price. So um, we've been hearing about, I mean, we've had some consequences already, but we keep hearing about the the price and the consequences of um, dark magic and all these sorts of dangerous things. And, um, you know, uh, this is kind of following along with the chain reaction of all the bad things that are happening because of bad choices that various people are making um, for, for all sorts of reasons, but um, regardless mm-hmm. of motivation, you know, there's always a price to pay as they say. Um, so yeah, kind of just wanted to start with like the situation um, to set up the episode. Um, they're kind of uh, in, you know, reconstruction mode. They're, they're trying to restore you know, some of the damage that was done, um, to the hotel. So, you know, picking out new paints and, uh, um, which it didn't occur to me, but like, if that's where they start the episode, they do a really bad job. Cause like by the end, like they're chopping up floors and like flooding kitchens and like, yeah. Yeah. Doing, you know, kicking in the door and you know, yeah, no, that's true. A number on the hotel here. Yeah, no, it's just, well, and, like, that's kind of appropriate because I feel like, okay, so this episode is about, like, the price of the dark magic, but they begin the episode by thinking that that's over. Like, we've had all the consequences, now we're going to start to rebuild and fix all the things we broke. But what really happens is, like, you're not done yet there's more consequences coming and things are just going to get more broken because you may think that it's over, but it's not. Um, yeah. And bad stuff is going to keep coming and there are continue to be repercussions that you don't, you, you can't foresee, you know, um, you know, what'll be the kind of ultimate consequences of what you do. So that kind of, kind of makes sense. I think, um, and like specifically for Cordy trying to get rid of uh, the the pentagram, which is sort of still painted in the middle of the floor, um, right. which is the, the the stubborn stain that's not going to come out so easily. Right. It's it's like the physical manifestation of the emotional problems that they're all sort yeah. of having. <laughs> right. Right. Um, right. Right. It's it's the spot that won't the, kind of rub out and everything. Right, the uh, you know, uh, uh, Lady Macbeth washing her hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, and well, right, and so like, I mean, the other like, and the others all are sort of in that same mode too. So you have, I mean, Angel sort of the attempt to restore is, I think, somewhat Angel's manifestation there, right? Of mm-hmm. you know, trying trying to like focuses energy on something somewhat constructive but mm-hmm. then um you get angel and cordy talking to each other and 
Cordy's like, oh, you just need to, like, vent. And, you know, she's the one who ends up venting. Mm-hmm. So, like, like there's there's definitely a lot of frustration and uh, whatever there. Um, yeah. And also with Cordy, so um, we didn't really talk about this before, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when we were setting up our schedule, but um, the stuff with Groove, too, like, she's really giving a lot of attention to Angel, but like Gru seems to be taking that kind of personally. Like Mm -hmm. she tries to explain to him like, Oh, you know, Angel's my work priority, but you're my other priorities. Mm -hmm. But like even that, even the way that that like is phrased and, and the way that she orders that it's like, there's work and other, it's not like, Mm -hmm. uh, like she defines work as a thing that's important to her. And then just like, there's everything else. And so it's kind of like, yeah, even in that, like grew's sort of the afterthought. And I think mm-hmm. he's picking up on that a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. And definitely an afterthought and, and, um, and her fudging it a bit, you know, because the way she says, you know, it's not just like, you know, Angel's the priority because he's the boss and he has to be, you know, uh, in in his right mind in order to make decisions. And so that's important and all that kind of, it's like the way she, she says it is, you know, Angel's feelings are the only ones I care about. He's my priority. And it's like, that definitely sounds like not just a practical statement, but like that she has an emotional investment in that. Um, you know, his, you know, not just, not Angel's state of mind is my priority, but Angel's feelings are my priority. Um, yep. So, um, yeah, definitely giving Gru, you know, not the warmest signals there in terms of his place in, you know, uh, you know, in her life in terms of how she has everything laid out yeah um and then you know fred and gun too are kind of doing there so you have fred who's you know feeling wesley's loss in the sense of what he brings to the team Mm -hmm. like you know his research and intelligence and you know capabilities there um and gun's very uh, I I almost say cavalier. I don't know that that's the right word, but like, he's very much like, well, get over it. Like, yeah, deal with it. Like he's gone, and like, mm-hmm. you get the sense that he's not. He doesn't care that much about the fact that Wesley's gone, and it's almost a like. I feel like that's more of the old gun attitude Mm. like from when he was running with his street crew of like right you screw up once and you're out you know Mm -hmm. you're out on your own and you know you don't turn and i mean like angels that way too as far as Mm -hmm. wesley like you know if he's basically says if he sees wesley again he'll kill him so i mean it's not like gun's the only one but like you know I have to wonder like how much of this is coming from gun as like, uh, 
you know, well, Wesley screwed up and so it's his fault versus, you know, Wesley is also in love with my girl, Mm. (laughs) you know, like, and how much of it, yeah. How much of it is it, is it that personal thing of like, well, good. Now Wesley is sort of out of the way permanently and won't, won't be a, you know, problem, Mm -hmm. you know, or a threat as far as taking Fred away from me. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, whereas, you know, versus just being upset about Wesley's sort of betrayal. The um, other, it, when you were just talking too, I, I'm not going to be able to remember which episode it was now, but um, where Gunn didn't betray the group, but kind of, I forget exactly what the circumstances were. He did something that kind of, looked like he might have been betraying them. And there was that talk that Wesley gave him about, like, you know, I understand why you did what you did, but do that again and you're out. Like, it was like a very black and white, cold kind of like, like one more thing like that. And it was specifically about betraying the group, you know, don't include me and go behind my back and put us in danger again as a group and and you're out of here and it's like the irony of that you know i have to go back and figure out what episode that was because that's basically what's happened to wesley you know is like he kind of blew the wad with one big mistake and it was one that was about turning his back on the group and not trusting them and endangering, you know, and, and not just endangering them, but getting Connor stolen and everything. Um, so, and the group sure enough have kicked him out, just like he said he would kick them out, you know, like if as the boss, that was sort of his decision, but Angel and, and Gunn are now kind of doing that with him. Like, well, that's it. you, you crossed yeah. a line and there's really no coming back from it. Um, and you don't really get second chances with that sort of thing. Sure. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, they're kind of flipping positions, but they're all kind of in agreement about that of like, you screw up to that extent and that's it. Whereas like Fred is definitely for all that she is angry at Wesley too, like she's told him, she definitely is more about looking for ways to reconcile and, and starting to think, all right, this has gone on long enough. Surely we can't continue like this. Like there must be something is going to have to happen to, you know, um, to, to recover, I guess. Um, she doesn't know what that is, but, you know, um, yeah. And Gunn kind of telling her that, uh, she shouldn't really hold her breath. Um, and Cordy too, a little, Cordy's position surprised me a little bit, like the, the firmness of it. Like I get that she is prioritizing Angel and she's kind of seeing Wesley as the bad guy in this scenario, but, um, but you know Wesley and Cordy go way back too, so yeah, you know I and I don't 
I don't know that she's even seeing Wesley as a bad guy. I think, my, well, my interpret, I like, I don't know that we have enough to get, a, you know, to to say for sure one way or the other. But my position on Cordy is more that she is, uh, just feeling guilty. And so for her, it's not even about like ostracizing Wesley so much as doing whatever she can to make Angel feel better. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I I mean, that's just kind of my Mm -hmm. thought there. I don't know if you had a different one. Um, Um, No, I don't really, I don't really disagree with that. I think I just would have expected her to try to kind of like Fred to try to find a way to serve both at the same time. You know, um, and maybe it's just that she hasn't had an opportunity to talk to Wesley or or to see where he's coming from. And so, you know, she's kind of sticking with what she can do at the moment. Um, But uh, we'll we'll see where that goes. Sure. Um, We don't get a ton, but in terms of situation, I think might as well mention Wolfram and Hart too. Um, Cause speaking of. Sure. Of infighting. Um, that's kind of literally all they do this episode is like. Yeah. Gavin, Gavin just kind of trolls Lila <laughs> and like tells her things that are not quite real and true. And then she does stuff and then he's like, well, you might want to think about this because now I'm going to tell you something different. And like, kind of just being really petty with each other like sure you know of just like because literally he comes in and says you screwed up and angel's gonna get killed and the senior partners are gonna murder you because this is all your fault and then so she gets her SWAT team together and then he comes in and says well I just talked to Linwood on the super secret cell phone number that he didn't give you and he says he's perfectly happy for angel to die and so yeah so like he's just like annoying her like just for the sake of it like they're not even unified against angel they're not even doing bad things they're not even hatching evil plots they're literally just like you know finding ways to sort of get one over on on each other so um anyway i don't know whether that's significant or not but that's kind of what they do yeah i and i kind of feel like all the wolfram and heart stuff is thrown in just because to be honest this whole episode is kind of a weak one sure (laughs) like i feel like it's just in a way i mean the character stuff is all right but it takes up maybe like a quarter of the episode right Mm -hmm. so you know we get all this stuff between angel and cordy and wesley and fred and or uh, sorry gun and fred and and then later wesley and gun but like a lot of it you know a lot of the rest of the episode is just like oh there's these demony slug things that were created because we did black magic and yeah you know 
Yeah. Okay. Like, so they, they end up, you know, going around and, uh, you know, trying to, trying to kill all the, the slug demon-y things. Mm -hmm. But it's, like, even that's like, there's only so much you can do with that. So it's like, okay, how can we fill an extra 10 to 15 minutes? And it's, well, let's just have, like, you know, Lila and and uh, Gavin prank each other. You know, right. <laughs> like right, like right, because literally nothing ends up happening with any of that. It's like right, like you keep expecting like, like I would have found it more interesting if Lila actually did go through with like somehow saving, mm-hmm. you know, Angel and team from the slugs and. Like, I get kind of why they did it, because, like, Cordy has these powers now that she doesn't quite understand, and, you know, it is a little more surprising when you have, like, that be the resolution than mm-hmm. Wolfram and Hart coming and swooping in or whatever, but at the same time, it's like, well, I don't know, I just feel like, mm-hmm. otherwise, like, it's just a big tease, and it doesn't Sure, really... and, like, we, we know that nobody at Wolf and Hart likes each other. So it's like right. not exactly like, telling us anything new about them. Um, like it's just other, a slow other Friday than that, in the office. And uh, like, right. Other than that, like the lengths they'll go to to like waste each other's time. You know? Um, right. So. But yeah, like there's there's really, I mean, there's no like real story or, or character building in any mm-hmm. of the Wolfram and Hart stuff. So it's just kind of like... Yeah. But I do feel like, again, like... So to get to the main sort of plot of mm-hmm. the episode with the Slug Demons, like, that's kind of boring. And sure, sure. Like, like it's not... I mean, it's kind of gross to have, like, the idea of this sort of translucent slug, you know, go mm-hmm. down your throat and suck all the water out of your body. Like, that's... Mm-hmm creepy and icky but like even the i even the concept of it like we did dark magic and now and created like these demons or you know whatever like that's already been done like we we already had that at the beginning of the current season of buffy that we're mm-hmm. in where you know the spell that uh brought buffy back you know created this yeah. demon and 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 even like the thalmogenesis or whatever like that's what they that's the term they use for that too so mm-hmm. like i kind of feel like they're just kind of recycling ideas here and mm-hmm. that this episode for of angel is really all about the reveal at the end sure uh right right it's 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 the we're biding time until we can get to that cliffhanger right. ending right um and so yeah. i don't i mean i don't know if you want to talk to that i mean i know we we're going to talk about maybe like, like the fighting. Okay. They fight a bunch of slug demons. There you go. Right. Like, um, gun goes to Wesley and he initially refuses to help, but then learns that Fred's the one in trouble. And so as Surly and, uh, with as little communication as possible, Mm -hmm. Wesley, you know, gives gun the idea to just pour a bunch of, was a vodka or tequila or something Something down down her throat until, which relies on uh, an an accurate 
perception of what alcohol does biologically as well, which is, you know, that it dehydrates you. Well, any dehydrative effects of alcohol isn't, aren't going to work that fast. Sure. And, you know, I don't know. Anyway, so, like, it's like that other thing of just, like, oh, here's a quick and easy solution to, like, this magical problem. Um, right, right. Uh, yeah, and I guess with stuff like that, like, I just always wish that um, the, like, if, if, if they're going to do the kind of monster of the week and use it to explore, okay, the point isn't the monster, the point is where are the characters i feel like it generally works better when there's some interaction between what's going on with the characters and the nature of the monster itself whereas like like i'm not sure that there's a whole lot we can kind of do with like the slug demons and the the dehydration yeah. and and the fact that it's fred over somebody else like it could have been any of them like like, I'm not sure that there's a whole uh, lot. Other than that's the only one w Wesley would have Wesley probably would, been right, willing right. to help. Sure, sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it is kind of, you know, a little bit thinner and, than that. More of a plot device and everything. And there's a bit of poetic justice, or I, I guess it's not really irony, of you know, Gunn having to be the one to go to Wesley after being so mm -hmm. sort of anti-Wesley, you know, earlier right. in the episode. But even that's just kind of like, oh, okay. Like that's, you know. Yeah. Whatever. So so the most interesting um, part to me was Wesley's reaction to Gunn, you know, of... Um, not that I expected him to, like, you know, grovel at his feet and beg forgiveness or anything, but the fact that he was equally firm about that's the end of the relationship. That, like, he wasn't, he doesn't try to, he doesn't do the Baltar thing of, here's my opportunity to get back in your good graces and prove sure. my value. He says, you know, I'll help because it's Fred, but that's it. Don't any of you ever come here again. And, um, and like, obviously I don't know that there's anything behind this, but even the way he kind of, um, when Gunn starts to say like, um, you know, I, I know that you had your reasons or whatever. And Wesley kind of interrupts him and says, you don't know anything, you know? Um, you know nothing. You Charles know Don Snow, and um, yeah. You know, I I wanted to explain, but it's too late. And that so like in this kind of way of like, there's a tease there of like, well, I was gonna tell you, but now I'm not. You know, it's like sure. I'm not gonna tell you. Any and then it makes me think, do I know what his motivations were? Like, sure. I think I think I do, but like. He never actually explained himself to anybody. He just sort of did his thing. And so it kind of, to me, raises this question of, is there more even to the story than what we know as the audience? You know? Um, sure. Because, like, when Gunn says he knows what why Wesley did what he did, and Wesley says, you don't know anything, I'm sitting there thinking, well, I think Gunn does know. 
You know, like, I, I think they, he, Gunn and Fred actually put it together. And I think they have a pretty good idea of his motivations. But then that made me sort of question, you know, what would Wesley's explanation be were he to, you know, sort of lay it out? So um, that was a kind of intriguing little scene sure. to me. And I mean, I think part of it, too, is because it's a very different reaction to Gunn than from when Fred came to Wesley's hotel or hotel hospital room mm -hmm. and was like, yeah you need to stay away. Like, mm -hmm. cause you know, again, there's that first thought that like Fred's going to like forgive him and then she doesn't. Right. Mm -hmm. Like she's like, yeah, but Angel's right. You should never, you should have trusted us. And blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. Um, and Wesley's sort of sad. And I think, I think the only thing that I can sort of look at here is that, Wesley is Wesley simply never was given a chance mm -hmm. to explain himself. It was only the only explanation is what Fred said to him. And mm -hmm. so it might not even be it might be more like what Cordelia is saying to Angel earlier about venting. Mm -hmm. Like it might just be that that like he couldn't talk and still can only kind of barely talk mm -hmm. and never had a chance to actually put in his own work, whether they would accept it and whether it's even different than what they already know. Mm -hmm. He's just never had a chance to do that. And they've completely ostracized him without mm -hmm. giving him any opportunity to explain again, regardless of whether they accept his explanation or whether it's even different than the explanation they already know. Yeah. He just hasn't had a chance to put it in his own words and try to explain to them yeah. what he's doing. And that's the, that like, regardless of whether there's more to the story or not, like that would be sort of one way to reconcile mm -hmm. uh, guns, you know, saying, you know, I know what you did. And Wesley saying, you don't know. But, right. I don't know. Yeah. We right, like everything they see. know, everything <laughs> they know is is pieced together. It's not actually from Wesley himself. Yeah, and, and it may and it might be right. And it like might it, be right. It's not even about how do you know. Yeah, it's not even about whether it's right or wrong. It's more about giving Wesley the chance mm -hmm. to explain from his own point of view mm -hmm. um, what he did. And again, like they might not accept it and they might already know it, but it, they never even gave him that opportunity. And mm -hmm. I think that's where like, mm -hmm. there's more of a problem with him. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That feeling of betrayal of like, okay, like I can understand that you're upset that a friend betrayed you, but wouldn't you at least give them a chance to explain? Like if they're really that mm -hmm. good of a friend, like wouldn't you, let them explain and they don't mm -hmm. they haven't let him explain i mean he couldn't talk before and nobody's come to see him until now you know right. days or right. weeks or whatever later days weeks yeah. months no. <laughs> years uh um so yeah 
Yeah, I don't, I mean, any other bits on Wesley or, I mean, again, they're not like, there's not, they're not together long. So it's not like, I mean, seeing the scar is kind of nasty. Like, mm-hmm. um, and they do like the direction there is pretty good. Um, you know, noticing just like, like it's all sort of shot from one side until he mm-hmm. sort of does that turn mm-hmm. and speaks. Right. And right. Well, and the slight fake out with the like liquor of like, you think he's just going to like get his sad, depressed bottle of vodka out of the fridge, but then it turns out to be the like, you know, key to the thing. So like kind of combining his, you know, his ingenuity and how he saves Fred with the fact that he's sort of living this kind of depressed, lonely existence and everything. Yeah. Um, And sort of the, the, not only that, but like, not just the ingenuity, but like the, like he doesn't have to do like normally it's like, Oh, let me go look at my books or whatever. It's just like, he comes up with the solution. So like, did he even know, like, like, was he aware of, like the spell that Angel used and like he already sort of knew, or maybe he just happened to know, like I, we don't get an explanation there of how he knew that, the, but it's just kind of like that Fred's in trouble. Okay. Quick. Think of something here. This ought to do it. Like, yeah. Right. Just a very sort of quick. Right. Uh, right. Contrast that with, there. with Fred pouring over books and not even having any idea of where to start really. Um, yeah. You know, and, and you kind of realize what it is that they're missing by not having Wesley in the group. Um, so they're sort of handicapped that way. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we kind of touched on Cordy's, you know, uh, little demon powers that she manifests. We don't really, the episode kind of ends like right after that. So we don't really get to explore them really. Um, but it's yeah. the first, other than that one moment of levitation, it's the only <laughs> hint we've got of these powers that she has and doesn't even really know really what she has yet. Um, but I guess right. on an intuitive level can kind of, they come out of her when it, when they were needed. So, um, yeah, have to keep an eye on that, but, um, right. She doesn't know at all like even what's going on until like, and it seems like triggered by this demon touching her, right? Like she grabs onto it and then Mm -hmm. like, that's what triggers it. Like until then, like all the, all the, like she was fighting them, but like, it was all like she was using weapons. Right. Um, so yeah, like we don't, we still don't really know what's going on. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess that just leaves the destroyer. Um, I'm using that term a bit loosely because there's some ambiguity. So we hear about the destroyer throughout the 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 slug demons say that that's what they're fleeing from um and uh uh you know so it's the bringer of torment agony death 
the destroyer is coming after you, angel. So, um, you know, not a good situation. So right at the end of the episode, you know, they say, when's the destroyer to come? When's it coming? Uh, right now. Um, and like this big, huge demon sort of appears. So like, there's still more things coming. This is the thing is like, not only it's like we thought all the final consequences were over and even at the end of the episode, they're still not over. Like there's still all sorts of things coming through, you know, this hole that Angel made. Um, but so there's this big demon. Seems like it's the, a good candidate for the destroyer. And then uh, immediately... Uh, Pete Campbell shows up and uh, takes care of it for them. So <laughs> all is all is saved. Um, Pete, Pete Campbell. <laughs> that's like all I know. Um, so <laughs> yeah, of course he's not Pete Campbell. He is uh, Connor, right? Grown. Um, and so leaving open the question very deliberately, I'm sure, as to whether or not he is the destroyer. You know, or whether the thing he just destroyed was the destroyer and he just saved them from it. Um, sure. Kind of seems like Connor might be. Al the although that last shot's ominous because he's pointing a weapon at yes. Angel. No, so it, it, like that's the, that's the suggestion is that the destroyer is Connor. Um, and, and I mean. And he's coming guess, for Angel, and that seems like, right. you know, it's hey, dad, you know, it's like I'm right. here and he, like, coming back to you. He like knocks the demon out of the way, right? Right, and then like is looking at Angel. So, right, right. right. Um, yeah. So Vincent Carthizer, or Carthizer. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how to pronounce exactly. Uh, not not his introduction to acting. Certainly, um, he started off in like 1993 in some kind of TV movie or something, but. Mm -hmm. uh, as it turns out, uh, other than Mad Men, um, he has more appearances in Angel than any other show. So I'll mm -hmm. I'll leave that out there. Now I won't say how many appearances, right? <laughs> or sure. like you know what what other shows he's been in. Like you know, has he been a regular in any other show, or is it just been guest appearances mostly and right. all of that? But um, I'll, I'll just say that after Mad Men. You know, Angel is his second most uh, number of credits um, mm -hmm. for a TV series. So, mm -hmm. uh, again, won't tell you how many or you know how long will be with, he'll be with us. But yeah, uh, that should give you at least like a little bit. Like it's not like one and done anyway. Well, right. I mean, like like including the thirty seconds that we see at the end of right, this right. episode. Like it's not like he'll be in the next episode and then gone or anything. But right, right. Um, we'll we'll at least get him for a few episodes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's not much to say, and I mean, yeah, like, is he the destroyer? I mean, yes, but no, maybe I don't. Yeah, no, he is. Yeah. Like I think. It seems pretty clear to me, but then again, I know where this goes to right. some degree. I so. mean, it seems clear to me, too, although I'm open to being proven wrong. Um, and, like, I think it's, you know, do we get Buffy next week? We uh, do. Before we go. So we have some time to yes, see, after 
three episodes of Angel, we get an episode of Buffy now. And, right. and we'll be we're back to our uh alternating weeks for the next Every other. several weeks, so, at least until the end of the season. So yeah, so we have some time to see where it goes, but it kind of occurs to me that like way to like completely in one thirty second, you know, moment at the end of this episode like completely undoes what seems to be where the story's going which is the quest to get connor back you know like the quest to rescue the baby and it's like well not only is he back but he's grown so ah darn you missed it you know like (laughs) like right those kids go so fast and those those pesky hell dimensions that run on different time right and so not only yeah so okay so he's back but also angel missed his entire upbringing you know and so well what happened in that in that interim and um and who who brought him up right well right i mean he's being brought up by angels one of his nemeses so um this might be why he is the destroyer coming right. after Angel, you know. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, we won't know that for another couple of weeks. Yeah. Because next week we have uh, Angel. Or, sorry, Buffy. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah. Any Any other thoughts? I mean, I know we're ending a little early, but... I think both of these episodes are a bit thin um, mm-hmm. insofar as they're um, maybe thin isn't quite the right word, but, but straightforward. Like, again, I like, especially with the angel episode, I feel like it's a lot of movement to get that reveal at the end, mm-hmm. but um, you know, not sure. that there's nothing worthwhile talking about, but just isn't, a huge thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I think, um, I think we're good. Cool. All right then. Well, we'll be back next week with a episode of Buffy and yeah. Sounds good. See you then. Mm-hmm.